Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Got open lines right now, so it would be a good time uh, for you to join. Um, But talking about the Eagles and the deeper-rooted problems within this organization. And, you know, as I've had time to step back and look at things, I, I really do think the root issue is the fact that they have changed their approach from being, I don't know if cold-hearted is the right word, but an organization that would always prioritize what is best for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, that's always what they did during the Andy Reid, Joe Banner tenure, really up until 2011. 2011, you know, they got desperate. It had been a long time. They still hadn't won a Super Bowl. And instead of doing what I think they knew they should have done, which was sticking to you know, the script, sticking to the approach, believing in their process, the Eagles kind of, you know, they went and tried the dream team thing. That obviously didn't work out. Led to the end of Andy. Led to the end of Joe. And it was the right time. I mean, you'll wear out your welcome sooner or later. Um, But what the Eagles did from 2000 to 2010, was a formula that worked. It was a formula that worked as a solid foundational, uh, you know, basis for for building a a football team and building an organization where we're going to do what's best for the team. We're going to weigh the short term, we're going to weigh the long term, and we are going to do what is best for the Philadelphia Eagles. And we don't care whose feelings it hurts. We don't care who it upsets. We are going to do what is right for the football team. That's why they let Jeremiah Trotter walk, which turned out to be the right decision, honestly. Uh, It hurt them one year. 
and that was unfortunate. But if you had paid Jeremiah Trotter all that money, it would have prevented a lot of things you were able to do. You may not have been able to trade for Terrell Owens. I mean, if you were give, paying a middle linebacker all that money. You let Hugh Douglas walk, a guy who was very well-liked in this town, a guy that was very successful in this town, but the Eagles weighed the pros and cons and realized, this guy is not worth a major long-term deal. We have to let him go. We have to do other things with that money. You look later in the 2000s, the Eagles draft Kevin Cobb, which it didn't turn out to be a good pick, but they did that because they knew Donovan was entering the end of his end of his prime. They knew they had ended up having didn't they knew they were going to need another option. Now it turned out Michael Vick kind of fell into their laps, and that ended up being the better option. And they got the pick back for Cobb. They I think they got a second round pick. Okay, in DRC, right? But they did what they needed to do as an organization. They didn't care about Donovan McNabb and how he would feel about it. They did what they needed to do for the Eagles organization. And now they have gotten so far away from that where they are so concerned with pleasing people and so concerned with not upsetting the fragile egos within that locker room that they're scared to do anything that's going to upset anybody. Where... You know, you bring back a guy like Jason Peters. He demands more money. Instead of doing what was right and what you probably should have done, which was, you're going to play on this deal, and if you're not going to play on this deal, we're going to let you go. That's what they should have done. They gave him more money. Then, when it was clear that Jordan Mulata was the better player, it was clear that Jordan Mulata needed this developmental time. Instead of moving Jason Peters back to right guard, and letting Jordan Mulata play left tackle. They let Jason Peters there because they didn't want to upset Jason Peters. They wanted to keep him happy. That cost you a game in Cleveland. Let's face it. Oh, that was, they didn't lose because of Jason Peters. Playing him hurt them that time they played him. Okay. They could have played Mulata. They could have developed him more. They could have. I wouldn't say it cost them in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, he was terrible in that game. He so was, I don't know what game. I just I don't know what they they were winning that game if you know if he was the Jason Peters of old. Yeah, I got you. I, I yeah, I get it. Um, but you know, it's these kind of things that you can't continue to do. The fact that you're playing Alshon Jeffrey over Travis Fulgham doesn't make any sense. You really don't want to upset Alshon Jeffrey, a guy that after this year is not going to be here anymore. You're so worried about that aspect of it that you're playing him over a younger player who has been far better than Alshon Jeffrey has been this year. So you're going to put him on the field and cut into Travis Fulgham snaps. It doesn't make any sense. And the biggest example of this at this point about the Eagles just being so concerned with the egos of their players that they will not do what's necessary and they will not do what's best for the football team is to continue to play this quarterback because it's gotten to the point where you just you, you just can't do it anymore. You just can't do it. And I don't care whether you like Carson Wentz, whether you think he's good, whether you don't like him, whether you know, you, you 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 never liked him, whether you've just come around on realizing he's not very good this year as I have. Nobody should disagree 
with the fact that there is no point in playing Carson Wentz anymore. Like, there's literally no point in playing him. This season, for whatever it's worth, this season is finished. This season is over. And I know the Eagles can still technically win the gonna could still technically win the division. They're not gonna win the division. Um, but you know, even if they did, who cares? Like, really, who cares? And what evidence do we have show you that Carson Wentz gives you the best chance to win right now? Because he doesn't. It's not getting better with him this year. Okay? We have seen enough. The Eagles have tried the positive reinforcement approach of we're going to encourage him. We're going to leave him out there. We're going to have his back. That has not worked. And if they were, were if they were at all interested in doing what was best for the football team, not just in the short term, but in the long term, they would play Jalen Hurts and they would see what they have. Because when you look at Carson Wentz right now, it is stunning, the regression. Um, he does not see the field. He is not accurate. When there are receivers open, he can't hit them, or he doesn't see them. Uh, he can't do anything right right now. But the Eagles won't take him out because they're worried about hurting his feelings because of you know the fact that apparently he was upset when they drafted Jalen Hurts. You know, and when I look back, did I agree with the Jalen Hurts pick at the time? No, I didn't. And part of the reason was because I, you know, I, I, I thought after the Nick Foles thing to bring in another guy like Jalen Hurts wouldn't be the best environment for the quarterback. And, you know, I, I, I understand that perspective and I had that perspective. But. The way Carson Wentz has responded to that is so disappointing. You know, because I, the, the reports the other day that Carson Wentz was upset when the Eagles made the Jalen Hurts pick. Fine. That's totally fine. I have no problem with him being angry about the pick. He should have been angry about the pick. You know, you're a starting quarterback, and they take a guy to replace you you're well within your rights to be angry or replace him or, or have an insurance policy, whatever. You know, Carson Wentz probably looks at that, would like weapons, would like a receiver. What that That's fine. I have no problem with being upset with pick. Donovan McNabb uh, was upset when the Eagles drafted Kevin Cobb. He made it known. And I had no problem with it. That's fine. As a competitor... I understand you getting annoyed. I understand you getting frustrated. But you know what a franchise quarterback, you know what a true franchise quarterback does in that spot? They go out and they play angry and they they, they prove to the organization why that was such a dreadful pick. That's what a real franchise quarterback does. They go out, they play at a high level, and they show that, yeah, you wasted a second-round pick on a guy that's never taken my job. You could have given this team, somebody on offense or somebody on defense that could have helped us right now. Because you took a guy that is not going to play because I'm going to be so good, he's never going to get off the bench. But the way that this has seemingly destroyed any kind of confidence that Carson Wentz has makes me realize he is not a franchise quarterback. 
Because look at other quarterbacks. Green Bay has drafted Aaron Rodgers' replacement three times. Well, at least twice. They drafted Jordan Love this year, first-round pick. They've never drafted Aaron Rodgers a first-round wide receiver. For all that we talk about, the Eagles have never surrounded Carson Wentz. Green Bay has never drafted a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Think about that. Ever. What does Aaron Rodgers do? How does Aaron Rodgers respond? He goes out and he says, you know what? Bleep you. I'm going to play better. I'm going to be dominant. And you know what? The guy you drafted, he's not going to play. That's what a real franchise quarterback does. That's what Donovan McNabb did when he was benched in 2008. He was mad about getting benched. So he came out and he said, you know what? Kevin Cobb, okay, he came in the Baltimore game. He's not coming in again. And he never did come in again for Donovan based off performance. That year or the following year. But the way Carson Wentz has been just shattered by this. Because I do, I mean, I guess this plays a role in it. It's honestly somewhat pathetic. It really is. And, you know, I'm just tired of, of, of the excuses. And Doug Peterson spoke about this uh, during his Zoom media conference on Tuesday. And I want to play a, a few uh, pieces of sound for you here. Um, here is Doug on why there was not more of a quarterback rotation during the game on Monday night. We'll, we'll get that in a minute for you. Um, but uh, you know, he, here, here's that sound. Well, as as as, um, as you guys watched the game, of course, as we were you know living it out real time, one of the things it, it, for us to, I guess, to use any of our personnel, um, and, and in this case, we're we're talking about Jalen Carson, you know. Uh, for me, it's it's about getting in a rhythm, getting into the flow of the game, getting getting in a in a consistent flow where, um, you know, we're positive on first down. Which that particular sequence, um, I believe, the first down, first and ten was right before the second quarter. It was uh, then it became a second down play, second and 10 actually went with uh, Jalen. We had a false start, went to second 15. We threw a pass to Alshon. That was, uh, you know, a, a short route. wasn't uh, was supposed to be a little bit deeper, went a little bit short. It was complete. Now we're third and eight, I believe, and went back to Carson on third down. You know, and it's just – it's kind of how the whole first quarter and a half went for us, just no rhythm, Um and and so for me, it's it's uh, would I like to get into a, a flow and, and use Jalen, you know, uh, in a couple of situations? I think that's I think it's I think it's feasible. I think it's possible. It, it, it's been it's been productive for us, um, but uh, our, our first and first and second down production has to be better. Uh, yeah, and that that's that's Doug talking about um, Jalen Hurts and why he wasn't playing more, which doesn't really make sense, but. Here is uh here is Doug a little more about him talking about the offense and why they need to get into a little more of a better flow to use Jalen Hurts. Um, well, it, it happened to me back in 1999, um, and and so I have firsthand experience of that. And, and you know, it, it, 
my my philosophy is is we do we do whatever it takes to to spark the offense. You do whatever it takes to uh, you know win a football game, uh, be be successful. And and look, I mean, I know it may people people may think it's different, and you can't get a guy into a rhythm or whatever. But you know, when 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 you struggle as an offense, you're looking for ways to um, create some plays and and the the struggles we had last night weren't, weren't from the quarterback position. It was, it was a bunch of mistakes from, from all positions that, uh, you know, caused us to uh, not, not be as successful, but, but as far as the rotation goes, um, you'd like to be in a little more, more of a rhythm. If it were Jalen in there, maybe he goes a couple plays in a row, you know, and obviously if Carson's in there, he, he, he takes the bulk of the action. So they're both professionals. They understand. And, and, um, Expect nothing, uh, nothing less. And, you know, it just doesn't make sense the way they're using him. And, you know, you hear the excuses again there where Doug talks about the the problems. He goes out of the way to say the problems are not the quarterback's fault. Well, a lot of the problems are the quarterback's fault. And, you know, coming up, uh, you know, in a little bit here, I got some more baldy breakdowns to play for you. Because it is astonishing, quite frankly, how bad Carson Wentz has been when you look at the tape, when you look at some of these plays. And uh, we'll get to that um, coming up next here because uh, it, it is, it, it's, gotten, it's gotten awful. It's gotten to the point where you cannot justify playing this guy anymore. It doesn't make any sense, even if you like him. You know, you can call me a Carson Wentz hater. You can say I'm blaming Carson for everything, uh, which I, I, you know, I've been getting a lot of that these days. I don't, I really don't care. I'll give you my honest opinion, and my honest opinion is this guy stinks right now. But um, there is no reason to continue to play Carson Wentz and not see what you have in a guy you spent a second-round pick on unless you're just so worried about hurting his feelings. And unfortunately... That's exactly why the Eagles are playing him and exactly what they prioritize right now is pleasing Carson Wentz instead of doing what's best for the football team. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? Good, man. What's happening? Well, here's the thing, though. If they're worried about hurting his feelings, then why did they draft Jalen Hurts in the first place? Mike, I'm starting to think that they were just so dumb that they didn't see this as a big deal. Like, uh, and I, I, I know that's hard to believe. And if you had told me back in April that they that was the case, that they were so naive they wouldn't think it was a big deal, I'd say you're crazy. But seeing the way they've acted since then, I honestly just think they really believed in this quarterback factory idea and they really wanted to bring in another quarterback and they want to keep developing quarterbacks. I honestly think that they were so naive that they didn't think it would be that big of a deal to Carson. They didn't think it would be that big of a deal uh, within the city, which is insane. You know, the more I think about it, like remember when the draft pick was made and it showed Doug and he was like, like he looked really happy about it. Yeah. I'm thinking that that was kind of uh, it was a little misleading because nothing, I, Doug can't be happy about it. Like his actions speak to somebody who's not ha- 
happy about it. If Doug was happy about having Jalen Hurts in the roster, he would have played him by now if he was that excited about him. I think it was maybe just something, you know, a visual type of thing where it caught him in a certain moment where he looked, uh, you know, a certain way, or maybe he was just putting on a face for the camera. But nothing Doug's actions have shown shows or suggests somebody who was happy about the Jalen Hurts pick. You Agreed. Know? Agreed. So, I mean, I, you know, if he was that excited, they would have put him on the field. And also... Um, well, can I, that, let me respond to yeah, that sure. real quick, yeah. Mike. What, what I see from that and what I think is, is interesting about it is everybody takes it as, you know, he's not playing Jalen Hurts despite the front office. And that very well may be true. Um, but I, I also, because I, I can't shake that either, Doug's reaction that night, because I, I saw that as well, that he looked overly happy. Um, I almost wonder if they are giving... Jalen, they they are giving Doug permission to play Jalen Hurts, but not completely go to Jalen Hurts. And maybe if that's the case, Doug is saying, "Well, if you're not going to let me completely go to him, I'm not going to go to him at all." Yeah, it just shows you the level of dysfunction in the organization. Like, right? I, and I buy that report that Doug's not happy here. Frankly, I think a lot of the stuff where he says, "Oh, it's not the quarterback's fault," it's kind of like a passive aggressive shot at Howie for his roster moves. Roster construction, like, yeah, it's, hey, you haven't. Now, I'm not saying I agree with Doug. I think a lot of it was Wentz's fault. I, I saw some of the body breakdowns. I thought Wentz was terrible in the game, but also it is true. Both, I mean, both things can be true. That the roster Doug was given is awful, and if he's kind of maybe trying to speak to Jeffrey Lurie uh, through the media, like, help me out here, man. My general manager gave me a crappy roster. What do you expect me to do? How do you expect me to win with guys who can't even get open in man-to-man coverage? Yeah, no, no. There's, there's no doubt that the receivers are are bad, Mike. And, you know, I my first instinct the night of the draft, I was on after after the draft that night, and I crushed the Rager pick uh, that night. And I, you know, decided I would I would give it time. Uh, but I'm starting to really believe my instincts were right, and they really screwed that up. Take yeah. And even if he turns out to be good, it's, it's He's not going to be as good as Jefferson. No, not even close. Or, or Lamb, or Judy was probably out of their reach. But regardless... Um, Denzel Mims has actually been playing well lately. A guy they could have taken. He was on the board when they took Jalen Hurts. Um, Isn't it amazing how they have no ability to evaluate wide receivers at all? It, it's it's really it, it, you can. It's almost like you couldn't have a worse dra- uh, track record drafting receivers if you tried. Yeah, if if you would have drafted based off of Twitter fan polls, they would have had a better track record oh, than yeah. Howard Roseman. Yeah, no, like that's, no doubt. And that's not, that's not a praising of Twitter fans. It's an indictment of Howie Roseman. I mean, Twitter fans are morons, and they would have done a better job drafting receivers than Howie. I mean, it's a disaster. And, you know, it leads me to, to one of my things. I don't disagree with your point about the Eagles being soft. I actually completely agree with it. But I was thinking about it more recently, and I think it, it goes back deeper. Now, there is a rebuttal that I know you would probably make and other people make, and I'll address the rebuttal already because I kind of batted around in my head as well. I think we both agree that it's looking more and more likely that just 2017 was just a one-hit wonder, right? A one-year wonder, right? Yeah, no doubt. Well, remember, before that year, the Eagles went nine seasons without winning a playoff game. They didn't win a playoff game since 2008. The Eagles haven't – my thing is I don't think the Eagles have really been a, a great organization since then. Now, somebody, now, here's the rebuttal somebody would make. They go, well, they made the playoffs three straight years. And that's true, but I think it's very misleading because in 2018, they got very lucky getting in. You know, the Vikings had to choke down the stretch, and they lost to the Bears, who didn't even play their starters the full game. The Vikings just collapsed. And then 
the Eagles only won a playoff game because Cody Parkey missed a gimme field goal. And remember, they let Mitch Trubisky drive down the field for, uh, with like a minute left. That might have been Mitch Trubisky's best drive of his career. And he had it against uh, the Eagles' defense. Uh, of course he did. But I think the Eagles just got very lucky that year. Now, they took advantage, credit to them, but still, they got very lucky. And then last year, of course, everybody knows how fluky the end of that season was. They played a bunch of garbage teams. They were trash for 75% of the season. So, yeah, they, won, they made the playoffs for three straight years, but I think it's very misleading. I think the Eagles had an amazing year in 2017. Nobody can ever take that away from them. But if you just look at the last decade of Eagles football, they're not the same organization they were under Andy Reid. I don't think they're a great organization anymore. I think they're an, a slightly above-average organization that had a great year in 2017. It's kind of like the Mets. Remember the Mets went to the World Series a handful of years ago? They had a great yeah, year. 15, I think. Yeah, and then I think they made the playoffs again maybe the next year or the year after that. But, but the Mets aren't a great organization. They're, they're, they're terrible, or maybe you would call them average, but they had a great year and they had a couple mediocre years. I think the Eagles are kind of somewhat similar. And look, just since, since the, uh, you know, the 20, 2008, I think that was the last year where this organization, the days where they were a great organization kind of, kind of ended. Well, if you look at what they've done since then, I mean, it's been Michael Vick and Kevin Cobb and the, you know, the Go only ahead. yeah no the only issue I would take with that Mike I I, I think oh nine and twenty ten they were pretty well run as well like like making a shrewd move like bringing in Michael Vick I think was a really good move I think they were pretty well run up through twenty ten so that's the only issue I'd take yeah I mean that's fair uh, I just used two thousand eight because that was the last year before twenty seventeen that I actually won a playoff game right right um and, and you know and Andy Reid was known for going to NFC Championship games and that was the last one they went uh, under Andy Reid before he ended up leaving. Um, but I mean, just look at the last decade. I mean, if you want to bring it to 2010, fine. Just, just go to 2011 on, right? What do they really have other than 2017? Right. This isn't, you know, they're not the Seahawks. They're not the Packers, you know? I mean, they're not a team like where they were under Andy Reid where you know they're going to the playoffs every year. I mean, they haven't won back-to-back division. Nobody's won a back-to-back division since 2004. No, Mike, and by win-loss record, I mean, after 2017, their next two best years were both chip coach teams in 13 and 14. 14, they didn't make the playoffs. But they were ten and six, which was better than the nine and seven records. Obviously, they had the last two years. Yeah, and you want to know coincidence? You you you, you thought twenty ten the, the the year. You know what happened that year? Uh, they law they they the Joe Webb game. No, I but guess. that was the year Harry Roseman took over as general manager. Yeah, well that yeah that's so. True. If you want to go back and say ever since Harry Roseman gained like the power leverage over Joe Banner and everybody else in the organization, that's when things started to go downhill. But I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that completely because Banner was still the guy who was behind Dream Team. So he still had a lot of of, of say in twenty eleven at least. Yeah, that is true. I think it was kind of his last hurrah uh-huh. because like remember people used to get on him for being cheap and he's probably like, you know what, I can spend, I'll show you right. and then he kinda of went out of character. But I mean, like if the basically the the point of all this is is that the Eagles need to get back to being a great organization. And I think your point is very well put that they're too soft, but I think there's just so many factors that they just, they haven't been a consistently stable organization for like a decade now. And they, what they need to do is they need to clean house. They need to hire a general manager who knows what he's doing, who, and they need to hire a coach who can, who doesn't meddle and get in the conflicts with the general manager. Start by building a stable organization first. 
Yeah. And then when you don't have meddling and you don't have backstabbing, then you can get the ground running. But it's hard to be consistently successful when you have people trying to backstab each other and get in each other's business. There's no doubt about that, Mike, and I appreciate yeah, it. Take care. Thanks. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, that is a knock on Howie, is that he does get into these front office odd dynamics when there are threats to his power. And that, that predates Chip. I mean, that does. Uh, I mean, just look at the broadcast Monday night. It's pretty clear. Uh, Howie and Lou Riddick are not guys who were exchanging Christmas cards. You know, these guys are not two guys that like each other. And apparently, in 2011, 2012, they were kind of, you know, I think similarly ranked people within the organization. And Howie has had these issues with other people who are threats to his power. Now, Obviously, nobody's really been a threat to Howie's power over the past few years. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's why I think you are either going to trust Howie or you're not. And if you're not, you got to get rid of him completely because bringing in somebody else um, to do the football valuations just and keeping Howie around on the business side just not going to work. Because what we know about Howie is he enjoys the football part. Of it. He enjoys the talent evaluation part of it. And um, even if the plan would be for him not to be involved in that, um, I think that's something that, that he would ultimately like to involve himself in. 215-592-9494. Uh, I see Richard on Twitter here, uh, you know, and, and he comes back with, with all the typical things. Uh, you think all the problems are Carson Wentz, receivers can't get open, offensive line's terrible, runners can't run. Oh, Carson, Carson is such a victim. Carson is such a victim of all these other circumstances. Well, when we get back, uh, we'll talk to Lou, and then we'll play some of Baldy's breakdowns because uh, Brian Baldinger knows football. Like, you don't trust me? Fine. I don't, I mean, uh, fine. Uh, you don't trust my football opinion. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, you're uh, you're fine to do that. I, uh, You know, if you're one of these guys who feels you, you have to have played the game, I never played above the high school level. Um, but, uh I think Brian Baldinger knows what he's talking Undisputed about. football guy. Right. Brian Baldinger is a football guy through and through. And Brian Baldinger is one of the only media members out there now that has the guts to call out uh, what's going on with the quarterback. We have another one we'll get to in the 4 o'clock hour, another media member as well. Um, but we have Baldy's breakdowns coming up next. And these, uh, we, we this has been kind of a running theme the last couple of weeks. Um, but these were the most egregious yet. So we'll talk about that and play those for you when we get back. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at TommyKelly44. We got a funny tweet from Brian here. Uh, Brian tweets, Walt, if you haven't been assassinated yet, please weigh in. <laughs> so, yeah, Walt, if you're out there, we just want to make sure you're okay. We, we don't need to get into any controversial subject matter. We, we don't need to get, you know, into any anything that's going to get you into any kind of trouble here. We don't need to get into Eagles training staff conspiracies anything like that we just want to know you're okay 
So if Walt is out there, if you you're a real listener to the show, if you know the whole Walt storyline. What was this, Mike? Like two months ago? Maybe it's more recent than that. Um, with with Walt, uh, the caller who had the uh, Eagles training staff conspiracy theory that he was very worried about his own safety. Discussing this, yeah, earlier. it was October twentieth. October twenty. Okay, so about six weeks ago. Yeah. So um, if you. Uh, yeah, if you if you if you get the Walt the inside joke, then you're really a a true well, listener to the show, and I appreciate that, Brian. Isn't it an ins- it's an outside joke. It it was on, it was on right, the radio. but an inside joke for people. Like I don't know how many regular listeners we have to because overnight show right, weird fair enough, hours. Fair enough. But you know, we we got our regular callers. We got you know Mike in South Philly, John in Allentown. You know, uh, uh. I I'm I, I Matt and Hamilton. I'm sorry, yeah, Matt. Matt, yeah. Matt Matt's our guy. Um, but uh, yeah, we got Fishpot Ryan. You know, we got our crew. Uh, but yeah, I, I we we do appreciate everybody who uh, is a regular listener to the show. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. We'll get to these baldy breakdowns in a second here. First, let's talk to Lou in Sacramento. What's up, Lou? Hey Tom, how's it going? Good. How you doing, man? Good. Yeah. Just wow, what a season. Um, you know. I'm starting to think and come around that um, Doug might want to be fired. And it might be just because of the roster construction. Um, I think Lori's meddling a ton, a ton. I think he really regrets letting get letting go of Dawkins before he's trying to appease his Super Bowl players. But, you know, so many changes have to happen. Roseman's got to go. Um, it's just, I think... Doug's thinking long term, and I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much into this, but if he goes to get um, a job, right, uh-huh. and he can explain, you know, this season, right, bad offensive line, quarterback regressed, my GM isn't doing anything for me, not picking the right players, and you know, I have to. I'm a team player. I'm not going to say anything like that to the media. But between me and you, I was pissed. Yeah. Right? No. No, Lou. Yeah. yeah, go no, go ahead. Sorry. But if he if he comes back next year and it's the same issues and now you have two losing seasons in a row, it's going to be harder to find a job. Yeah, it's a good point, Lou. And you know, it's 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 not a bad thing. Like normally I'd look at this kind of thing, you know, coach wanting to get fired and I'd think, "Oh, that's a stupid conspiracy theory." But I I mean, I don't think Doug necessarily wants to get fired, but I agree that I don't think he'd be like terribly upset if he did because you look at the landscape of the NFL this offseason there are going to be some good jobs available like you look and really especially for an offensive coach um, what an offensive coach is probably looking for more than anything in a job is a franchise quarterback I mean you're going to have the Jets job open with Trevor Lawrence you're going to have the Chargers job open with Justin Herbert. You're going to have Houston job open with Deshaun Watson. Like these are appealing jobs with bona fide, no doubt franchise quarterbacks who are very young. Um, And if Doug prefers one of those guys to Carson Wentz, which he probably does at this point, I I don't think it's, it's a horrible thought to have. Yeah. And it's just, it's just hard to decipher because a lot of things, I, I don't think he's done a good job this year, Doug, for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going for it on fourth and four in that situation, for example, he's using too much analytics. I think it looked at ESPN, it was like 7.6% to win if they go for it and 7% if they whatever. But in that situation, 
you're like, am I going to trust my offense or my defense? And the defense was playing well that game. The offense sucked. So he hasn't done a great job, but I still think he's a good coach because the team over the past few years has played for him. He did win a Super Bowl. Um, he connects with the players. I just think, you know, get him in a position where he gets a young, and if he sticks around, you know, make sure you get a young, maybe a college coach that's innovative and have someone else call the plays. Maybe it's Deuce next year. I don't know. And let him, it's going to be hard for him to relinquish because everyone in this organization is stubborn from the quarterback to the, you know, CEO, Lurie. But um, I, I don't know where we go from here. I'm just lost. I feel like there's no hope the next couple of years and it's, just really disappointing <laughs> yeah no it, we're, we're under the we're under the gun we don't the, the cap i mean if roseman's still back i don't i can't even watch it i don't want to watch a draft this roseman's, roseman's back i i hear the you draft Ro- record speak for itself speaks for itself so yeah no it's i don't ter- know it's terrible Lou, and i appreciate the call it, it and i do think this this last draft as much as jeffrey Lurie likes howie this last draft may have sealed howie's fate like th- this one was potentially really bad. Um, and uh, not even just the Hurts pick. I mean, the Hurts pick is looking um, obviously, you know, not good, especially if you're not even willing to play him in these conditions when your quarterback is regressed to this point. But, you know, we've talked so much about the Hurts pick that it's really overshadowed this Jalen Rager thing. And it's concerning. I mean, Jalen Rager is not getting any kind of separation against the Seattle secondary that that is is the worst in the league, that is one of the worst of all time. And you look at what's happening in Minnesota with Justin Jefferson, who, you know, I, and I'll admit, I was not completely enamored with Justin Jefferson coming out. I wanted the Eagles to trade up for CeeDee Lamb. That being said, if they didn't, I was okay with them taking Jefferson at 21. I, I thought, okay, if you sit at 21, I'd like him to move up and get CeeDee Lamb. I think he's the best receiver in the draft. But if you're going to sit at 21, I'm fine with them taking Justin Jefferson. But they outthought themselves again by taking Jalen Rager. And it comes down to this organization. And one thing, you know, we talked a lot about them being soft tonight, and that's a big issue. Another issue with them is they are obsessed with overcorrection, where last year, the thing, remember we were harping week after week after week, they have no speed, they have no speed, they have no speed. So they were obsessed in this draft with just taking a bunch of fast guys. And Jalen Rager was a fast receiver, so they took him. Instead of just looking at, making the common sense pick. Like you took a guy from TCU who played against subpar competition in the Big 12. And I understand he had quarterback issues last year at TCU. But that is a conference where they play no defense. Like, you should have ridiculous numbers. He did not. Justin Jefferson, meanwhile, put up monster numbers in the SEC. And yeah, I I know Justin Jefferson's playing with Joe Burrow. I know there are a lot of other receivers to take pressure away. But just make the pick that is that make the obvious selection. Sometimes the obvious selection is the right one. And it was the same thing the year before with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, where I know there are injury concerns with T.K. Metcalf. I mean, Terry McLaurin was there, 
but they had to be the smartest guys in the room. And they had to take Ortega Whiteside. Where, as fans, we're always going to try to talk ourselves into things, and that's just the nature of it. Um, but I remember at the time I was I was working that night doing doing updates, and the Eagles took Ortega Whiteside, and I was kind of like confused. Like we all figured they were going to take a receiver at the time, but I I had never really heard of him. I didn't watch much Stanford football. Uh, what are you? Were you big Ortega Whiteside? Uh, he was a name, like he was like he he was a starter at Stanford. He like caught touchdowns, and he was he was a legitimate player. Like, yeah, but, but like how like, he, the, like how he said, we were all asleep. We didn't see him do these things, Mike. I, I, apparently, you did, but I didn't. I wasn't watching much Stanford Stanford football. Okay, in, in twenty eighteen, but uh, I mean, even the, he years, had a sweet, even the years prior, seventeen, eighteen. Hey, but he had a sweet fumble recovery for a touchdown in that Baltimore game. Sure. So he's got that going for him at least. And he's activated off the COVID list, so we'll see if he returns. But you know, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't give him much hope of getting snaps. I mean, <laughs> if Travis Fulgham can't get snaps over Alshon, I ho- I don't think J Jaw has much of a chance. What did, a horrible nickname, by the way, J Jaw. Did you hear? I know, like, if you had your TV muted and were listening to Merrill Mike, when Metcalf had a drop, Merrill slipped in and said Whiteside would have had that one. <laughs> Merrill. Merrill, I will say, Merrill has been great this year. In the last couple weeks. This month. Like, yeah. when the Eagles are bad, Merrill is at his best. He really is. Uh, he was great in the Cleveland game. Uh, when Wentz took the sack and he went ballistic, that was great. Um, and then, how many times did he say they could have had DK Metcalf? That was great. So uh, yeah. Mer- Merrill is Merrill is having a, a hell of a season. I'll, I'll, I'll say that, no doubt about it. Um, but he always is because he's the best, Merrill Reese. Uh, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, we'll get to the Baldy breakdowns when we get back um, because uh, I gotta I, I got to play these for you. And we'll also hear um, from another NFL uh, insider who you know are, puts the responsibility for this um, squarely on Carson Wentz. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. In the 4 o'clock hour, we do need to update for you the DK Metcalf, Jim Schwartz, I don't know if you can call it a feud, uh, the conversation that apparently inspired this uh, performance from DK. Uh, We'll get to that, um, because Jim Schwartz spoke on Wednesday and tried to explain himself um, and I, I think Jim Schwartz actually did a pretty good job of explaining himself. Uh, so we'll get to that in the four o'clock hour. Um, but I wanted to play some things for you here because, you know, this season amongst Eagles fans, everybody follows the team is pretty much been a, a big debate on what's responsible for this offense's struggles primarily. And there's no doubt that there are a lot of issues. Okay. Like, and when I, you know, talk about the quarterback, I'm not saying that there are no other issues. Uh, the offensive line has struggled at times. Um, Monday night, they were really bad, without a doubt. Uh, they haven't been that bad all year. Um, I think a lot of the issues have stemmed from Carson holding the ball too long, but fine. The offensive line has been great. 
Receivers haven't been great, um, certainly. But, you know, if you're a franchise quarterback, you don't always need optimal conditions to produce. As I said earlier, Aaron Rodgers has never had a first-round receiver drafted for him, ever. And he has continued to go out and produce year after year after year. Um, Franchise quarterbacks make the talent around them better. They are not brought down by the talent around them. And, you know, Carson Wentz has not done anything to make the guys around him better this year. And when you look primarily on Monday night, uh, we all discussed how critical it was for the Eagles to get off to a quick start in that game. Uh, we, we, we all kind of knew that this offense had been struggling. They get the ball first. They need to get off to a good start. They need to move the chains. They need to set a tone for the game. Well, they go three and out on the first series. And that series was completely on the quarterback. And, you know, we can look at all these other things, and we can look at Doug and yell about he should give up play calling and all this other stuff. But that game was critical you get off to a good start. And they got off to a poor start because of the quarterback and the mistakes he was making. And, you know, Brian Baldinger has done a really good job of pointing this out, you know, where you have guys like Dan Orlovsky doing... Gymnastics to try to defend everything Carson Wentz does. And you have that ESPN broadcast the other night that makes it out to be like Carson Wentz is is just a victim of the most atrocious organizational failure in the history of football. Um, But the quarterback bears responsibility here too. And I'm just tired of the excuses. And uh, I got a couple baldy breakdowns to play for you here. And the first one, this is that first drive where the Eagles need to get off to a good start. Here was Brian Baldinger uh, on the first two plays of this game. When Seattle jumped offside for the first play of the game, the Eagles had first and five. This is what they ran. They ran Y-stick. It's day one installation West Coast offense. Richard Rodgers runs the stick route. There it is. First down, okay? It's a triangle. You read the triangle just based on the coverage. All right, Rager goes deep. Miles Sanders runs the little flare, and there it is. There's your Y stick. That's it. There's the throw. You can't protect any better. But you hold it, and this is what you have. I mean, here's Richard Rodgers. He's going to run the Y stick. I mean, every single West Coast-based team has this throw. If you make the throw right now, it's a first down. All right, you wait. Jordan Brooks makes the play. All right, second and five. They blitz. They show you the blitz pre-snap. Like, who's going to cover that slot receiver with that kind of leverage right there? He's coming. Like, here it is. Like, there's Greg Ward. End of story. First down. There's Greg Ward. It doesn't get any easier. I mean, this is as basic and as easy as you get against the league's worst pass defense. And there you go. And if you look at it, First two plays. These are scripted plays coming out. You know, for everybody who wants to rip Doug's play calling, and I'm not telling you he's been great, I'm not telling you he's been perfect, I'm not saying any of that. But these are scripted plays. 
These first two plays work to perfection if the quarterback makes the throws. The first play, Richard Rodgers turns around. He's wide open. Wentz holds the ball. Linebacker gets there, gets in the throwing lane, makes it a more difficult catch. It's incomplete. The next play, Greg Ward on a slant is so wide open. This is a 15-yard gain if he makes this catch. If this throw is made, this is a 15-yard gain. You get an 8-yard gain to Rodgers on first down. You get a 15-yard gain to, to Greg Ward on second down. You are at midfield in two plays. And all of a sudden, the complexion of this game looks a whole lot different. But you get off to a slow start because Carson Wentz is not making the plays that he needs to make. Now, this next one, you know, is worse than it looked at the time. And it looked bad at the time. Where if you remember, first quarter, Carson Wentz takes a deep shot to to Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard has a step on the defender. This should be a big play. It's underthrown and therefore incomplete. And there you look at it. It looks bad at the time because it's an underthrow. And you're thinking he missed the throw. It's even worse than that. Because Dallas Goddard should not have been the guy thrown to on that play. Um, Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager on one side of the field, both wide, wide open. Here's Brian Boldinger on uh, this play. You know, Seattle gave up more passing yards than any team in the league coming into this game. More first downs than any team in this league. In part because they can't get lined up. And it's been going on every week. Like They literally, Jalen Rager sees them. Like, they can't get lined up correctly. Like, Jalen's going, dude, are you seeing this over here? Like, there's nobody over here. They're all, like, they're not lined up, okay, for whatever reason. It's second and 12. All right, so when they don't get lined up right, you leave wide open spaces of the field uncovered like this. Like this right here on second and 12. This is what the, this void over here was. You've got Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager, like literally not covered. Now, if you're going to take this shot to to Dallas Goddard against Bobby Wagner, if you want this shot on this deep over route, then throw it. Throw it here to an open patch of grass. Like that's what Doug Peterson would say. Throw it to an open patch of grass. But don't let Bobby Wagner play blind and make this throw. And the protection, everyone's, oh, sack, sack, sack. The protection is perfect. My lot of here has his end, like, over left field. I I mean, you can't get any better protection than this. Like, just, like, what in the world? Like, how do you get, this isn't an offense. I don't know what this is. What is that? Look at Fulgham. Look at Fulgham up here. Look at Rager. Like, these guys are going, what are we doing? Come on, man. All right. I mean, it's, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it, I mean, it's true. It, it's it's that bad. Like, you watch, Mike, you just watch that. How bad is that play? How wide open are Fulgham and Rager on that play? It's it's awful. He just misses it. It, it, it like, and like, like Baldy says, this is Jalen Rager playing in what? His fifth, sixth NFL game? Pre snap. Jalen Rager is raising his hand to Carson Wentz, like, dude. Look at this. We are going to be wide open on this play. Like, look over. Are you seeing this? Yeah. Like, Rager is doing this pre-snap. Rager is reading the defense. Pre-snap. Better than Carson Wentz is reading the defense. And, yeah, Goddard had a step on the defender. 
if you're going to throw that ball, you got to hit it. Because Ful- Fulgham, especially on the play, is so wide open. You see Fulgham after that is incomplete. Fulgham puts his hands on on his helmet. Like, he doesn't understand why he didn't get the ball. And it's got to be so frustrating for these guys. It does. And uh, it's got to be frustrating for Doug. And that's why when people bring up the idea of would Doug be horribly upset if he got fired, you know, I don't think he would. And it's not saying he's trying to get fired. As a guy saying, I, I, I said that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he... Might not be horribly upset he gets fired because he he he's probably just so frustrated with this quarterback. Like I don't know what else to say. Like and if you watch these breakdowns and one I didn't even play, where Greg Ward is running an out route on a third and five, he is as wide. There's nobody anywhere near him. Wentz is looking right he at stares him at him in a completely clean pocket, and for some reason. Says, no doesn't thanks. throw it, turns and throws across his body to Miles Sanders for two yards. It, it's like, I mean, people can yell about Doug's play calling and all this other stuff with Doug. Fine. I don't know how, I don't know what you call for a quarterback that can't read a defense. I, I don't know what you call. The Greg Ward one you just described, it, it, it was like he hit the wrong button. It, yeah, it's astonishing. Right. Like, it, it, Ward is what, the, the play works. Exactly how it's designed to work. And Wentz is looking right at Ward. And for some reason throws across his body to Miles Sanders. It, it just... I, I don't get it. I don't get what's going on here. I think the one thing that... um Yeah, it's becoming a theme here is... Because people have said... Like, Brett Favre said Nick Foles is going to... Or, uh, sorry, Doug Peterson is going to keep the offense simple. And he thought Foles was better. Which, whatever. I, I'm not saying that, but... He's right. Doug Peterson is keeping the offense simple. Like these are simple concepts. Like it's basic West Coast offense stuff that the plays are just missing. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there's the other thing. Uh, Wentz can make two plus two hard. Like it, that's what we're seeing. It looks like. Yeah, it is. I mean, he is making this so much more difficult for himself than it has to be. And I, I just. Uh, you can point to all the other stuff you want, and yeah, everything's not not perfect on this offense. But when you have a quarterback who cannot do the easy things and cannot make the, the simplest of reads, there's nothing the coach can do about that. There's nothing he can do. There's nothing he can call. You, you want Deuce calling plays? You want Press Taylor calling plays? I mean, nobody wants Press Taylor calling plays. But Marty, whoever you want calling plays, they're going to have the same issues. Because the quarterback can't read a defense. And if he can't read a defense and he can't get the ball out behind an offensive line that's not very good, you're going to continue to have issues when even when the plays work, they're still not being hit. It's a massive problem. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, I see Matt and Hamilton there. We'll talk to Matt when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.